Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Burr cold, Dennis. It's winter time here. Well, not officially, <laughs> but burr cold. Uh, how is it on the West Coast? Wonderful, sunny, shiny, happy? Yeah, I've, I've experienced all ranges of weather. I was in Oregon last week um, near a town called Florence, which is uh, straight west along the coast from Eugene, Oregon. Eugene. And then this past weekend, I drove in uh, two, two stretches um, just over... I say just over, it's all kind of like once I got out of Oregon, it was just like mountains, just nonstop hills. Well, and then sometimes in valleys is weird. Um, the places where the topography reminded me of, or the landscape reminded me of, um, central Texas, uh, just past San Antonio where that park is. I've stayed a couple times. Yeah. Just, uh, kind of, um, I don't know if you'd call it high desert, but dry and the trees are kind of short and, um, um, uh, what's the word I want to look, I'm looking for it. Like not gnarled a little bit, like the branches move around a lot instead of being tall. Like oh the yeah. Trees yeah, yeah. In, the mid, in the Midwest or especially in the Pacific Northwest, it's a lot of really tall pines with like, I don't know, raspberry bushes and stuff down by the ground. But Anyway, I stayed at a brewery Saturday night in a town called Weed, um, right in the, almost in the shadow of Mount Shasta, which is another, um, I'm pretty sure is another volcano based on the shape of it. It's all, um, it's all the Pacific Ring of Fire out there. Yeah, the that cascade mountains i guess still up there um that was not very far over the border into california um and now i am at an rv park probably like an hour or two from sacramento okay. so i i went from in washington and oregon i was near the coast and on the on the western side of the mountains and with winter uh imminent um, the weather gets very wet. It's that stereotypical, like Seattle rain kind of thing where it rains a lot. Um, and I didn't really notice it until, um, probably the last week before I left, but I was having real issues with humidity in the camper. Um, mm. I, I do have a dehumidifier now. I had one for a long time and then it died and it was summer and I was in, Eastern Washington where the air was super dry. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't need this for a while. And for the last week or so, I would check in the mornings, my windows, cause I keep them covered by curtains and stuff would just condensation, like running down the windows, pooling in the window sills. Um, and I'm like, none of this is good. Um, but now I'm in a very dry climate where I don't have that issue. My it either says 45 or 16, but I'm at a weird angle to read the, the, uh, weather station. <laughs> um, it's very dry and the temperature is, is going on pretty wide swings. I think when I, when I woke up 
to to pack up and leave from weed to come down here um it was like 20 outside and so there was frost on the on the car and all this stuff and it's not getting quite that cold here but it is getting down into the 40s at night and then up into the 70s during the day so it's very much that like quite quite a summer yeah not summer desert kind of excuse me kind of temperature swing the the the, uh, that's what we're getting here is that is that uh well we were we were getting the the 40 to 79 in the day now we're just Mm -hmm. 40 to 49 that we're we're just tempering it down so uh, america is is getting transitioning to winter which which but the other either way to say uh, beyond weather stuff um there's always this perfect window in the midwest of and it's it's between five to seven days every year where the leaves are perfect. Now they gradually change color. You know, they, that's, they kind of do, but for one weekend, usually it just is gorgeous. It just like the temperature goes rock bottom. The air gets a little wet. Um, and the, the leaves, all the trees decide it's time to go and they just burst in color. And that's when the wind comes through and starts, you get the leaves, blowing across the 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 streets and stuff it's just this gorgeous kind of what you see as the typical fall and that happened last weekend uh just you know i drive a little out of town about five ten minutes out of town when i out of bloomington where i live and i go on some back roads so the trees are go across the road kind of in a canopy and it's just kind of out of a movie with those uh, golds and reds and then the, the leaves just whooshing off of the trees and across the way into big big piles and such it's just absolutely beautiful and then two days later it's all just left as browns and the the trees are starting to get bare <laughs> so it yeah. doesn't it's it's just like a burst of last burst of gloriousness from the trees and they just then they say goodbye for the winter and go to sleep um <laughs> But it's it's very beautiful, and as much as I can say, like, oh, I don't like the cold or something, you got to appreciate just the beauty of that part of nature, uh, as I'm sure you're seeing as you go all the way out west, the different kinds of things. Um, but I, I'm I'm very happy to see that. But I also know that now it's going to be six more months of winter. Um, <laughs> but we're coming up on uh, on Halloween, which is uh, at the time of this recording is tomorrow, um, mm-hmm. and sadly. Like is normal Halloween in the Midwest, it can often be very cold. I, even when I was a kid, we would uh, many times go trick or treating in our coats because it would sometimes even snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's not gonna. It might not snow here, but it's gonna be freeze warning tonight. It, you know, and I'm gonna take uh, Lola tomorrow um, out trick or treating, and uh, she's probably gonna have to wear a coat and pants uh, over her Dorothy costume. Um, so it's kind of rough and it's going to be cold, but man, kids will do anything for candy. So it's totally okay. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's yeah. already excited about, you know, getting there. And, uh, I think we kind of mentioned this last year, the year before, you know, it's, at least I think with the generation that's coming up, they're getting less hard candy. They're getting good candy. So when she comes back with my other, my kids is kind of do that too. They come back with really fantastic candy instead of just the rock candy and popcorn that, you know, we used to get when they're kids. Um, most of those kids have grown up and said, I don't want to be that, that parent, that adult. So we're looking forward right. to it. Like I said, she's being, she's uh, dressing up as Dorothy. I don't know if I've got any kind of costume. Maybe I'll dress up. I probably should do something for fun. Um, but that, that's, uh, we look forward to that. And then Thanksgiving, I've got a trip. 
um, out east in a week. Going to go too, so that that should be fun. Come back and report about. Um, I saw a talking about costumes. Um, I I'm not going to do costume stuff because I'm not doing any. I think the campground might be doing like a trunk or treat kind I of went, thing. Went to one of those last night, actually. Yeah, I would have to go into town to buy a bunch of candy to do that, and I don't think I will. Because <laughs> um, it's Tuesday, we're going to maybe be doing games? I mean, game stuff happens after trick-or-treating is done, so I would oh, think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, I saw a guy on TikTok or YouTube short or something uh, dressed as Indiana Jones, and then he had a second person, I don't know, if it's a spouse or child or whatever, but they were the boulder uh, from from Raiders, like chasing him. Yeah, yeah, nice, right? Like, oh, that's, that's clever. That's hilarious. The um, uh, we've seen a couple cute costumes. We we did that trunk or treat. It was raining here yesterday, which is also that's actually the worst kind of um sure. Halloween to have is when it rains, and um, it was coming down pretty bad and it was also cold um, and the trunk or treat was in a parking lot for like a local business around here but mm-hmm. thankfully it was like on a strip mall kind of area and then they just changed it where the cars backed up to the strip mall entrance and then you could just walk along underneath the awning and that was kind of sure nice. there you go the kids kids were still freezing but they were having a good time because <laughs> they could you know got to see all the cool stuff and get free candy so it was a great little evening anyway um and, and I've been to several trunk or treats there. It's just in the rain and just deal with it. And, you know, it's such a nice thing for communities to do and for the kids to get out and have a good time. It's, it's kind of nice. Uh, see yeah. Just have a fun time. But then uh, I said, I got a, got a trip coming up and I'll report back from DC and New York and going to go some, see wicked and some other things like that. Talk about that. We're going to have a uh, exciting thing. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have a, and two weeks a special episode coming up, which we won't talk about yet, but we're planning something fun. We hope. Um, looking forward to that. And yeah, I think I think that's what I got this last weekend. We had uh, um, basically an annual. We're almost an annual. Um, we call camping thing at Captain Chris's house, and it's not really camping, which is a, a game day slash game night that we all hang out at Chris's house. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did it this last weekend. It was pretty fun. Played a couple games we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, and a game called Flamecraft, another one called Plate Up. Um, pretty good times. So and far. did some did some painting? Did oh, I yeah, yeah. Did, did lots of I I bought a game back at Gen Con. Um, it's, uh, what's it called? I even forget about it. Uh, but it's uh, uh, Gates of Valhalla. Uh, and it came, okay. I yeah. might have mentioned it comes with miniatures that you put together. And they're unpainted and unput together. So I glued them all, did the whole thing, then primed them, and I've got to kind of paint them. So I kind of recruited all my friends to get together because several of us want to like painting. Um, so we did, and they just painted a whole bunch. I think we got about seven minis painted, or more. We got more than that, seven to ten. Uh, so that that makes me feel pretty good. I don't have to paint them, but you know, you're going to pay over a hundred dollars for a board game. You want it to look pretty when you're playing it. Sure. Yeah. In, in hindsight, for over a hundred dollars, I should like get minis in a, in a board game that are. <laughs> but but I honestly, I did not realize that they weren't painted, and they were. Because you know, right. when you look at the box, they're all 
painted up and put together. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. sure there's some fine print there saying self self assembly required or something like that, but I did not see that one. Uh, it's got some solo stuff to it, and I'll, hopefully I'll play it in the, in the next month or so. Uh, after buying it at Gen Con, I'm still not playing it yet. But yeah, minis came out good. They were they were fun. We had this one only little thing I had to report from funny thing with that miniature stuff is that I had spent at least an hour hour and a half on one of the minis. I was really really proud of it. It came out really nice. Um, I was like, this is great. And then one of the last steps you do when you're when you've got your miniature painted and you're ready to go is you put a um, a varnish on it. It's kind of a protective coat um, that you put on. It goes on the outside. It doesn't do anything. It, it comes on. When you put it on, you paint it with your brush, a big, thick brush. It looks white, but then as the more you paint, it comes clear, right? And it just puts a like a plastic seal over it. Uh, you can get different kinds. You get shiny varnish, or you can get a, like a matte varnish. It just doesn't look shiny. Uh, but we, uh, Captain Chris, had said, "Oh, I, I've got this. I've got a varnish here." And he just kind of handed it to me. I was like, "Oh, cool. I'll, I'll put that. I'll put that varnish on." So I put it on, take a big dab of it, start painting it all over my nice mini. I spent almost two hours on. And it's all white, like I expected. Like, oh man, this isn't clearing up. Uh, uh, this is not clearing up. What's happening? And I like, Chris, let me see that can, and it or bottle. And it's not a varnish; it's a primer. So I was just repainting oh, no. the thing white. <laughs> oh, I was so frustrated. Uh, it's okay, complete accident. You know, it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I salvaged it by dunking it in some water and getting uh, some of the white off, but. Then I had I kind of touched it and repainted it to make it look like it's frost and snow that was all over him. So nice, salvaged it out of there. But man, that was a that was a little bit disheartening moment <laughs> of spending all that time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dunking it in white. Oh my! God. I did um, back when I lived at the house. I um, would sometimes go to an antique auction um, in in Shipshwana in Amish country up there. And I got a pair of rocking chairs that were like solid wood, like put on the porch rocking chairs. And I agonized for a while what color to paint them. I wanted to maybe do like a Colts blue, but I think I ended up with more of a teal. And I was like mixing a couple colors to find exactly what I wanted. And painted the whole thing. I did parts of it blue and parts of them white to, you know, give it more character and stuff and it was this like i did the chalk paint thing because that was really big like i don't know 10 years ago um and then when i was done i covered it in polyurethane which is what you put when you after you stain wood to sort of seal it in a plastic right a layer of plastic and it looked fine at first, but then I put them in storage because we worked on the house for another like three years after that. Um, and now that polyurethane has turned like kind of yellow, um, which would probably be fine if it were just wood on a wood stain. But because it's on this like tealish blue, like it really stands out. And I'm like, I did all that work. And then it doesn't matter because they're sitting in storage now anyway, but. Mike, that was really dumb. <laughs> yeah, it, sometimes that happens. Um, okay, so let's see. I guess we can talk about one of the games real quick. I'll talk about another one later. Um, game called Flamecraft. Our buddy Trotsky brought it to brought it to play. Um, it's 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 a game 
It's not like, you know, how sometimes you can say, oh, it's a game like Catan or it's a game like Ticket to Ride. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have any of those kind of mechanics. Um, it, it has, uh, it's, um, let's see, there's, there's a board that's rectangular and there are, on it, there are shops that you put along the side. There can be a total of 12 shops throughout the game and uh, it's like a village is what this is and there's little shops. Um, and it starts out with six base shops. And on your turn, you take your little dragon and he goes to a shop. And he can gather some resources at the shop, um, or he can enchant. And enchant is basically complete quest. Resources is gather resources, right? And then you're you're trying to gather resources so that you can complete the quests in the middle and there to get victory points. So that's that's the, you know, rhythm of the game. Go to shops. If you're there, whatever resources they have, like the symbols on there, you gather them. Um, And then... You know, and that's and that's it. Now, you and one other little thing is that you can play a card. I think it's kind of like putting an upgrade onto a shop. So instead of giving just a bread, sure. it gives two bread now and lets you get another resource of any of your choice. Right. So oh, I mm-hmm. kind of want to go there. Right. But if you go there and somebody else is there, then you have to give them a resource and a little bit of trade off like that. Um. And then, or to get a card so you can put like an upgrade card so you can go put it somewhere else. It's it's that kind of a thing. Um, yeah. And then you unlock new shops, and shops will have effects on them beyond just giving resources. They'll say things. Uh, one of them was, once all three upgrades are on this shop, then someone cl- whoever finishes it can collect all the cart all the upgrades on that shop into their hand. So it's kind of like okay. getting three free cards. Right, but sure. But somebody has to put the second one on there, so the other person goes there and gets it. So you kind of don't want to. But that's the gist of the game. Each shop's different. Each new and it's kind of randomly drawn from a big stack of these big shops, and they're all different. So every time you play, it's a little different. Mm. Uh, we played it with three players. It, it only played about an hour. Um, for all those very limited kind of mechanics that that we had, um. I wouldn't say we suffered from analysis paralysis, but it took a lot longer to take a turn than what I thought it would. That mm. that game feels like what we just I just described, very straightforward. You got to get resources, yep. you see the quests, you, you got to gather them, and then that's it, right? Doesn't seem like you should take a long time on your turn, but when you start adding these extra shops, these upgrades, it gets a little bit more complex. Like if I go here, then he's got these resources, and he's going to complete that quest before me. You know, it's so you you do a lot, and then the more shops you add, then you have to consider every all the different shops. Um, so I think as the game went on, after two or three round or three or four rounds, it started to get some analysis paralysis. Um, sure, and that's what made it for even a, such a simple game. It, it made it go longer than what we thought it would go. But overall, I, the the artwork was very cute. It's got a very cute dragon. Uh, look to it, uh, anime-ish kind of look to it. Big, beautiful cards, beautiful little dragons. All the pieces are really nice, and some wooden pieces throughout all the stuff. And the, hmm. the town that you roll out is a is a like a felt, not felt, but like a um, when you do the play mat type stuff. That it's like three or four feet long. The the town mat. Oh is. wow! Like yeah, a, it's, it's a like a play mat, like a big mouse pad. Yes, right, exactly, like a big mouse pad. It's like I'd say it's about. A foot and a half by three feet long, you know, or four feet long. 
So it's a long rectangular wow. thing. It takes yeah. up a lot of space on the table, which you don't necessarily need. You know, if I, I in hindsight look at it, you could probably just have it on a little thing. Um, mm-hmm. But they wanted their pieces. That's kind of where I'm going here. Is that they wanted their pieces to kind of stand out and look nice, and they look pretty and stuff. Um, sure. I think it only goes for like 36 bucks or some kind of thing. Um, huh. But but pretty good, pretty fun, good 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 parts. Um, we got it was a little lopsided. We got blown away by by Mike who who had taught us the game. Um, but we it it was one of those in that special that specific shop we talked about. Um, it, he, he found the mechanic out first and then it snowballed, you know, like, Oh, he, okay, sure. once he, once he got that mechanic, nobody else could get that mechanic because he set him up to keep doing that mechanic. And then hmm. he was the only one that could, um, and, ev- and everybody else was playing. Chris and I were just playing catch up at that point. Um, sure. So, so the, the game is fun. Would recommend it called Flamecraft. You look it up, you do a good search on Google. It's, it's a family can get into it pretty easily. We call it a medium weight game at the very beginning. It's very easy to explain. You can explain it to your family. Anyone can just get right into it. Setup does not take long. Um, telling the, the rules takes five minutes at most. I just told you the entire game on the air and in, in less than five minutes. Um, <laughs> And you sure. can explain it to any, almost anyone. And then the the shops get added one by one, so it kind of it gradually builds up. So by the end of the game, you're definitely at a medium weight game where you're thinking of all the things. So if you think of it that way, it could be a um, a way to show people that they don't have to just play Scrabble. You know, it starts out as easy as Scrabble and then goes graduates upwards. Yeah, on a, sure. On a, kind of a training thing. So that I definitely would give it thumbs up for that. Um, and I said, thumbs up for the artwork, very simple. Um, but we only played it once. So I couldn't give you any other kind of thumbs down if, if there was anything, but I liked it. I, I liked it a, a, a good amount. Is it a, is it a worker placement? I don't, I, Trotsky explained it, it as a worker placement, it but it doesn't feel like it. Cause you're just, I mean, you're placing your guy on a shop and that's it. You only have one guy every turn. So okay. you don't have workers yeah, so that you place to take up really. slots. Yeah. Um, the idea of like locations and upgrading the location stuff is reminiscent of of worker placement, but I don't think with a single unit, it's not. It's more just like moving around a map. Exactly, um, it, you're right. It's just board. moving around yeah. the map type stuff, uh, uh, moving around the town, um, and the little dragons. The upgrades are dragons that you put on the shops, and they they like go. The the lore is they they go into the shop and they can make it better by blowing their magic flames onto the the gear or whatever, um, <laughs> and and they provide toast because they can make toast with their flame mouth or something like that. So or their fire toast like toast like literally toast bread, bread. Yeah. like cooked yep. bread. Okay, that, that's one of the resources is, is toast. Um, I see. That's yeah. strange. Yeah, it's it, I said it's it's got a cutesy theme to it. Um, oh, I see. I see. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and I would. That's what I said. I would recommend it to to families that, I mean, your kids, if your kids uh, don't like any kind of medium weight mechanics at all, or they get bored easily with that kind of thing, then I wouldn't recommend it. But if you've got kids that are like, I can, I can handle it, but I don't understand it. If you explain the whole game to me up front, this is pretty good for them because it just gives them a little bit to start with. And then gradually adds to till you get to a medium weight game, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty. And that's not just for kids; it's also for most of my family. 
sure. If, if I if I explain a whole medium weight game to them, their eyes glaze over and they don't understand it. But and they just want to play, you know. So this game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've told the story probably half a dozen times just on the podcast of teaching my family, and and it depends. Like I have a big family, so there are some who come to Gen Con and have no problems, and then there are others who are like, "Can't we just play euchre?" Yes, um, yes, yes, right. And I bought and taught them Seven Wonders because it plays seven. I was like, this is a real game. It plays seven. We're not, we don't have to resort to just telestrations and apples to apples or whatever. Right. And I spent the entire game on every turn explaining to half the people at the table what the different cards do, how military works, how science works, how the resources work to do the things to uncover the wonder however it works in basic seven wonders i don't even remember um and then then like you know was getting rushed through my turn because i hadn't had any time to evaluate my own cards because i just spent the whole time explaining stuff over and over to each person individually yeah and which is why i bought seven wonders architects (laughs) i was like they can handle this one pick a card you have three to choose from one of them's face down yeah, you, you can figure. I mean, you got to explain the science tokens and stuff, but yeah. it's much simpler than the base game for for sure. We we which the base game it seems more complicated than it is, as we discovered after playing it on Board Game Arena. Yeah, we we played uh, we played with three players on this game, so that probably skews some things too. Like I said, it took us an hour to an hour and a half, and that was three players. I think it plays up to six. Um. So I don't know. I think it might be longer than, you know I mean? It might be a longer hmm. game, which that feels weird because it does feel like it's, a, there's not a lot of choices to make, but we were sitting there thinking, oh man, if I go to this shop, then you're going to be able to get that. And if I go to this shop, then I'll have to give up this other card. But I need, you know, there's just a lot of it on everything well, eventually by the end of the game. Uh, so anyway, that's called Flamecraft. Look it up. It's it's I I would I'm definitely giving it a thumbs up for people to look. Recommended to families or anyone who wants to do a, a, a graduation from light to to medium. Uh, it's it's sure. a good, it's a good transition. Um, uh, you know what? We I got a couple other things to talk about, but I'd like to hop into our movie this week if you don't mind. Sure. Okay. This week we watched The Cabin in the Woods from 2011. With the Mighty Thor? Maybe 12 with, uh, it's either 11 or 12, with uh, Chris Hemsworth, yes, along with Amy Ecker and Jesse Williams, Fran Fran Kranz, Kristen Connolly, Anna Hutchinson, just people, Fred, just beautiful people. That's that. That's really a lot of people. Um, they were cast to be beautiful people, but but in, in all fairness, that's in part of the the movie, right? That they're chosen as beautiful people. Yeah, yeah, and also uh, uh, Josh from West Wing. Was yeah, in this. that's right. Um, that's it's the first thing I've funny. seen him in a long time. A long time. I granted this was 2011, but still. Yeah, he was, I saw him in something fairly recently, but it was, a, again, a small part. Um, he Also, the, the dad from Step Brothers, 
Is it Step okay. Brothers? It's the one with uh, I don't know. It's the one with Will Ferrell and like, are we just best friends? Did we just become best friends? I think we did. Yeah, I've I've never seen that. Oh my gosh! All right, that's going on the list, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I saw I saw Bradley Woodford in um, Tick Tick Boom, the oh, okay. the musical with uh, Andrew Garfield. Uh, he's he been pl- in a lot he, of other he, things too, but that's, he that's played Stephen Sondheim. Funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, he, he they're in it in, in a weird kind of thing. So this this film is it's a horror film uh, that that plays straight into the horror tropes, um, but then gives us a twist to that trope, right? And well, we're not, we're not sort into spoilers of... yet, but it gives a twist that kind of changes. Yeah, the 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 twist and the reveal comes very early. And oh, do you think so? I thought it was mid. Okay. All right. I wouldn't look at it time. It's it's earlier than you think. Okay. And it also it does this weird thing where it it definitely plays into the tropes but also kind of subverts them at the same time. Like all the a lot of the things that you're expecting if you're a horror movie viewer, the things you're expecting to see some of those you're going to see, but most of them you're not. Like, right when you think the thing is going to go one way, oh, no, it turns, they they don't, you know. Um, whatever. So, uh, yeah, let's hit the bell on this, because this is a movie that's better if you go in um, without, without Yeah, because we can't seeing, really, otherwise we're just going to say, you're just going to think it's a typical Thing, yeah yeah and and else, we'll yeah. come back so i'm gonna i feel like i haven't hit this bell in weeks <laughs> all right we are going to talk about the cabin in the woods with full spoilers so if you've not seen it and don't want to get spoiled on it skip ahead for our final thoughts i thought you were going to start um so yeah it's it's this sort of meta um meta thing where you're like oh it's a typical horror movie setup but then really early on you're like okay it's not it's not what you think it's just this weird sort of Truman Show style um um stage except on, they even mention that or they like the guy when he figures it out calls it like a Truman Show thing, but he, um, the, the my first thought was there except like Truman Show, uh, <coughs> wasn't murdering people, <laughs> right? And and this no one there, no there, right? that's where it's like this it's this double reversal, right? You're like okay, they're going to cabins real, um, like typical run of the mill horror plot and then it's like well actually there's these guys in an office in in mission control and they're really controlling everything it's all you know fake but the guys in the office are definitely trying to kill all the kids as human sacrifices for some old gods uh underground um to appease them um so it's it's like a double like reverses and then reverses back sort of right right um i i will say that for the first half or whatever it is when before they do the reveal i was a little groan worthy about it i was like ah, we're good you know another one of these I, 
don't want to waste i don't want to really waste my time on this and it, and it really wasn't deviating except for the the uh they'd show the scenes with um the, the guy from west wing and mm-hmm. you have no idea what's happening there or how it's connected in any way and then they they kind of you see them it's like that's weird and those parts were comedy right they were they were just yeah jokes and like, stuff when they like office workplace comedy yeah which was like really like a different movie happening at the same time as a horror movie like your very standard very standard horror movie and i was like okay i'm interested in this other spot so that was enough to keep me going to even not like kind of just skip through um but you know obviously that's a super important thing that you you have to have because they're setting up why we have these horror tropes and uh you know that's the whole mythos of this thing, which right. once we got to that part was, I wouldn't say great, but it was like, oh, this is okay. This is cool. This is a different take on this whole thing. And I, I appreciate that they're doing something different here. And then it made me appreciate that they gave me the first very basic boring, I would say boring, but normal thing. Right. I appreciated that they did that to me. It's like, ah, oh, cool. You know, all right. All right. Um, they, they, they had to have that for this you know, yeah. ritual or whatever it is. Um, I, I only wish there would have been a little bit more of that. Like not just ransacking the, the base with all the evil characters all at once. You know, I would, I would have liked to have seen less of the setup and more of the, the mythos kind of type stuff. But, mm. but overall it, it didn't bother me too much because this, this is a movie that as they say is what it is. And you just, you know, it's still not heavy. It's still not going too much. It's still a bunch of just murder and dismemberment and blood everywhere and blood squirting on the screen. And, you know, it's still <laughs> at its heart, does not shy away from that um, and gives you right. what you want when you go to see that. So I, I think I think it, it I think it did a good job of all that and, and adding a little bit new to the genre. Sure. H- how did you yeah. feel about that? Um. I think I'm there with you. Uh, I started, I watched it all in one sitting. So by the time it got close to the end and it gets pretty ridiculous toward the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with all the, just the doors. Okay. The doors open again, the doors open again. And I'm like, some of these things would just kill everything else. So why is there still, Oh yeah. And it's just, it's just a complete layer of blood and body parts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also wondered why the evil things just didn't kill each other either. Like, are they on the same think, like, same team? Same team. I think they sort of did. It was just chaos. Um, it could have had more world building. I feel like there was enough, um, especially because, I don't know, a month or two ago when I put this on our list, I listened to the film sack guys talk about this movie, um, and they talked about the different countries, which are mostly just mentioned you you only get really any kind of uh world building with um japan yeah oh Um, yeah yeah and they're and they're sort of establishing that like the the things that they do whatever whatever they are whatever the josh and his his guys whatever whatever they are these sort of not priests but they're sort of like priests of this 
of this old god sacrifice thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 setups that they create are tailored to the culture, right? So the one we're seeing is tailored to an American horror movie watching yeah. culture. And the one we see in Japan is this sort of there the the victims are younger and they're school school kids and they're doing like a ring Sadako kind of um character. Uh th- but we just see little clips of it. And then they mention it a lot that Japan never um never doesn't meet their quota. Yeah, um, you're right. It, it was, it was, that was another one of those little silly bits, right? Where they're like, all of a sudden they just kind of show the girls waiting terrified in the, in the room. And then now they're all saying the ritual and putting the ghost back in the little frog or something You're like, yeah, what goofy thing was this? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's just enough. Like there could be a lot of that stuff definitely could be more fleshed out and explained, but I think depending on depending on who you are and and this is oh maybe a little bit of a slight on on people who watch horror movies and there's a wide <laughs> range of yep. horror movies i know i'm glad you're you're going to say this but <laughs> when <instead of> me. <laughs> when 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 i used to watch them i always appreciated more the ones that were more psychological more cerebral right so, you, so there's there's definitely more depth there but if you're looking for a run-of-the-mill slasher, um, um, Evil Dead kind of thing, though not not uh, um, campy like Evil Dead, well, not not campy, right? A little bit campy. Um, yeah. Where you know a bunch of teenagers or or college college kids like we watched uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. You know, they're going to go to a cabin, they're going to do dumb stuff, and most of them are going to die, and the the one virgin girl is going to survive, maybe one other guy, um, and everybody else is going to die, right? Just like Scream, which itself is a, is a meta horror franchise. Yeah. Um, the, this movie gives you enough world building to tell a story that's not that, while also being a little bit that right like yes it's not the the cabin in the woods thing is all fake but there are actually real monsters that want them to die for a different reason um and so you get that one scene of the the japanese schoolgirls trapping sadako in the um i don't know if it's actually sadako um in the flower pot or whatever that that thing and it's like okay that's enough for me to know that Japan didn't meet their quota. And they set up earlier that every other location also failed to meet their quota. And so now everything is down to like, it raises the stakes for this one story. And there's enough, like I didn't need to see like how the, how the other countries um, or the other locations bases try to do this in different cultures um, for all of those. And I didn't need a whole B plot about whatever's going on in in Japan, especially yeah. because the victims were like middle schoolers, which is uh, a lot more troubling than than the like college kids that are our main. <laughs> For sure, cast. that would have been a more terrifying uh, film watching those little girls deal with that stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, scary children, right? Like Chucky or, um, again, The Ring. Uh, that's that's one thing. But, like, a real ghost chasing a bunch of young children, that's a, that's a different, uh, I don't know, whatever. Right. Um, I don't want, I don't want, really want to explore that thought. Anymore. <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. I, I, and, I agree with that. It, it just wasn't, I mean, it, I guess this genre in general, and, and I'll join with your, your more polite, uh, comments is that doesn't, it's not really challenging to the intellect in any intellect in any way. You're not, there's no character development or there's no, you know, plot per se, mm-hmm. except survive. Um, you're never going to get anything more than that. You know, you're coming into every scene as the first one, set up who the characters are, then start killing them. Right. And then at some point they get to where they are, or maybe it's a, maybe there's a little bit of build up in there. They'll meet a creepy guy like they do in this one. And it'll make you more scared for where you're going to, to kind of set the environment. And then it's just survive. There's no plot there. And this doesn't do anything really more than that. It, it kind of, it, with the twist of this being like a cult that does this ritual. Okay. That adds a little bit. And I think that kind of stuff is enough for people who follow this genre to go rabid with it. Like, um, like they did with evil dead because evil dead is not, we saw the first one is not a great film and they make a whole, because it drops just a little bit of mythos. People who love this genre are like, Oh my gosh, I want to know so much more. And then they just expand upon it and make more kind of B movies. And this kind of did the same thing. And I think they could make more of these. I don't know if they'd want to, um, Hmm. but yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a lot more to say about it than that, except that it's, a little bit more than your typical Scream film. And Scream actually was a little bit, you know, genre adding uh, than this one was. But, sure. Yeah. 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 Not bad. If you you know, coming out of spoilers, um, I, I I say that this gives you a little bit different. It starts off with a, your typical trope, gives you a little bit of a twist, and anything at the end that kind of change in the middle that changes uh, that. That trope a little bit, but it never gets out of the campy. It never gets. I don't actually think it gets any scary. I don't. I don't see. They don't think there was any scariness in this whole film. Um, just, just camp. yeah. Maybe, maybe a jump scare or two. Maybe a jump scare or two. Right. I mean, it, it got it. It did the gory thing for sure. Like mm-hmm. uh, it did yeah. when when it's one very, of the characters get sawed, you know, in two and. It's 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 much more slasher than the the psychological cerebral kind of horror. Yes, 100%, definitely. It's not, like, terrifying, because we all know zombies and stuff now, and uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of, if you watch, like, Hellraiser and things like that, you get terrified of these, you know, or Saw or things like that. It's just terrifying type stuff. This is not mm-hmm. any of that. It's just, like, oh, my God, they're, ch- you know, pulling out somebody's insides. That That's the kind of thing you have on this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I... I I this isn't a genre for me. I watch only these at at the Halloween time with other people who want to watch this kind of thing. Um, but I'd never voluntarily watch them. Not because they're scary or that I they creep me out or anything. Just they're just I don't know, there's not a lot to them. Uh Scream is one of the few exceptions because it, it was interesting, had a little bit of thought to it and things, some of the screams. Sure. Yeah. Uh but uh but beyond that yeah, I 
And I want to give it a thumbs down because that means don't watch it. It's it's a it's a thumbs down if you don't really care for for this kind of genre. It's not good. It's definitely not going to bring you in. If you like no. this genre, I'm sure it'll be a it's a serviceable Halloween film to watch. Yeah, it's it's definitely for people who like horror and slasher films. Like it it's it does some things to subvert that trope, but if you're not in if you're not into that genre already, you're going to struggle to find much to appreciate about this. Yeah, and if and if you're really into it, like you love those things, like a saw or something, this is probably you probably won't like this one at all because it's not going to give you enough of that. You know, sure. Again, not, yeah, not I mean, a bad film. I mean, but... I picked it because we're you know neither of us are super into the genre, and no, we've no, been yeah, picking. Yeah. We've been picking sort of outside the box. You know. Dracula Dead and Loving It or that uh, Laurel and Hardy, Hardy movie. No, I always say that. Abbott and Costello movie. <laughs> um, and because I saw this in the theater and I could not remember really much of anything about it. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely for fans of that genre. And yeah. yeah. yeah and we, we don't happen Let's to be that. that. <laughs> right, but, right. but I respect I respect it. I always respect that there are there are genres, films that people like. I love superhero films, and there are definitely people in the world that don't like that. So sure. I, I, I appreciate it, and and so I have to try to take that viewing in consideration, and not say that I, oh, it's terrible. Because there are, I, th- I have also seen some horror slashers that are just terrible. They're not scary. They're not funny. They're not good. They're not anything. Um, so this this fits in the middle of there, I guess. Uh, it's, it's my pick this next week. Um, yep. And this is one that I saw, I want to say it was on Netflix when I saw it appear. Um, I could be wrong, but I, 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 I'm pretty sure it's Netflix that, um, a film I haven't seen, it's not new, but it's like, it got a lot of accolades and people like, Oh, you should watch it. So we're going to watch the Cinderella man with, um, who's the gladiator guy. What's his name? (laughs) Russell Crowe and (laughs) Renee Zellweger. The the gladiator Uh, guy. Yeah. I think, is Paul Bettany in this? No, that's uh, that's Beautiful Mind. Um, Paul Giamatti. Is Paul Giamatti, another one of the guys I absolutely love. So, haven't seen it. It's about boxing you never, in the 1940s, 30s, something like that. Uh, I think it's 30s, like during the Depression. I don't actually know. I, it is. Yes. I think it's during, during the Depression. I think during, yeah. during the Depression. I, I guess the um, tagline on top of it was, because I watched the trailer... Something like, because it's based on a true story. Um, right. A, a guy, a, a down and out kind of guy. It's a boxing movie that gives the world hope, gives America hope during a depression for the average guy. Um, so that sounds good. I like it. I like all the actors. And I'm always looking for something new that Paul, not new, new to me that Paul Giamatti's done to see. I keep on wanting I... to find a film that I don't like of his. <laughs> and I've yet to find <laughs> one. Um, yeah. I am frankly amazed that you have not seen this no i I Um, really haven't yeah it's just one i just kind of missed it's my go-to i'll probably tell this story again next week but it's my go-to example of well not even go-to example but like a movie i saw in the theater with the absolute least amount of knowledge possible like i've gone into i went to see the creator knowing pretty much just the title and that you liked it 
so that maybe is less than I knew about this movie, but I was, I was somewhere by myself for a week, uh, during, or I guess this would have been just a little after college before I, um, moved out, got, got a job. And I was like, I'm going to go see a movie. I'm just going to go see <laughs> what's there in the theater. And I'm going to go because I was bored in a hotel room. And I saw Russell Crowe, Renee Zellweger, and I was like, well, they're both good. This will probably be good. And I got inside the theater building and saw the big cardboard like promo thing for this movie with boxing gloves. And I was like, oh, this is a boxing movie? A boxing? It's another Rocky? <laughs> okay. All right. And... Yeah, it's I I won't spoil it except that it's very good. Um okay. so I, I think yeah. in my mind I got it mixed uh there's with I think another boxing show that might have been out around the same time called Is it Million Dollar Baby? Um mm-hmm. yeah. by with Clint Eastwood and yeah. and the, that one also got really great accolades might have even won awards. Um but it, the yeah. trailer just did not do anything for me, and it felt like an mm. Oscar bait film, and those that just kind of turns me off in general. Sure. Um, yeah. So these two films, I got often mixed up with each other. So I was like, eh, I just won't watch. That makes film. sense. But, yeah, yeah, it's Cl- Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, Hilary Swank won four Oscars. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, so I'll have to get um, around to watching that someday. Um, yeah. But I've I've never seen that one. So I, I have. This, is that I know how it ends because there was a lot of talk about that back back then. That also it came out in '04, and this one is '05. Uh, Cinderella Man. So that's not surprising you would get those confused. Yeah. The, so the um, but I saw. Like I said it came on. It came on Netflix, and the as Netflix does when you just load it up, it shows like trailers automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so good job Netflix. You you did what you needed to do. Um, <laughs> you got one. It got got one for me, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so this looks good." And Russell Crowe back in his prime after just watching him in Thor and Love and Thunder, it was like nice to see him not as a oof, you know, yeah, <laughs> as a joke, terrible joke, out of shape guy, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So cool. I uh, Cinderella Man. That, that's for next week. Cool. I'm kind of excited about that a little bit. Um, <laughs> You know, hate hate missing a good film, and there there are several of those. We've 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 been fortunate enough to watch things like um, through our poster, you know, um, and just general things that we've kind of looked up and talked to friends that we've missed uh, that have been really good shows. Because as we said when we first, or as you said as we first started this whole process, you just can't consume all the media. There's just nope. too much, right? So it is nice to to get back. Uh, uh, get it an opportunity to come see them. So Cinderella Man will be one of those. Uh, all right. So what do we got next here, Dennis? Um, look at the mics. I watched a show. Or, yeah, this was a show. Um, and I really, I'm going to spend two minutes on this one because there's not not a lot to say here. But uh, I'm starting to watch this uh, adult cartoon called. I can't always hate saying that adult cartoon it makes it sound yeah, like it's a porn. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not. It's just a uh, you know they use curse words and talk about adult subjects. Right. Um, and uh, it's called uh, Acropolis, K R A P O L I S. Um, and it's Acropolis. Uh, <laughs> right. Acropolis. I think it's supposed to be a play on like the Acropolis, but Acropolis. Oh. But yes, it it spells when you read it, it looks like it says Acropolis. Um, 
And and you, these kind of things you can't say tell you anything about them because it's it's a joke. It's a comedy, so we can't repeat the jokes. You know, hmm. um, sure. But uh, it's got it's got some good good jokes, good setup. Um, uh, basically, the the whole premise of the show is that it's like in Greek times, and um, the one of the main characters, the mom of this family is a Greek goddess. It's kind of little well-known, but still a, a, a goddess. And okay. um, her son is human. Her husband is a chimera. So he's like um, yep. human, goat, part, part, snake, yeah. all that kind of scorpion. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But he he's voiced by, and this will give you the idea of the kind of jokes and stuff they have, is he's voiced by one of the main characters from What We Do in the Shadows, um, okay. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, so he, he has that voice and he plays that kind of character. Um, and the, the human son is the main character. He's looks to be in like his mid twenties to early thirties. And he wants to like create a world where we don't, the humans don't have to rely on gods anymore and that we don't worship gods. And he's like mayor of the city or something. Um, and obviously his mother wants everyone to worship her. So they're constantly at odds. Um, his sister is a cyclops. Um, it's so weird. She's got a, she's got one eye because she's half, half cyclops, half God or whatever. Um, so she looks like a muscle bound person with one eye in the normal spot of a two eye thing. And on, on her left eye is a patch that she wears with a picture of an eye. So she's trying to always pass <laughs> as, as human, which is really sure. it's, it's so, it's so corny. Um, but the comedy's good. Um, uh, you know, I, I start watching it and I'm like, you know, it's another one of these. Let, let's see how it goes. But uh, the first episode was like, okay, I, I like this premise. It was about as much as what I told you. Um, it's got some potential for things. And the characters are all very unique, which is, I think, important. These kind of things. Like you have Bart and Marge and Homer. They're all very different kind of characters. Um, right. And And, you know, this one is starts off and you've established that these are all very different characters. Um, and, and several of them are likable. Um, and then, so you, then you lead on to episode two and it's very funny. It's a, uh, it's on Amazon, I want to say, or, or Hulu. And, um, it's a new brand new series. It's getting a lot of traction on the interwebs and, uh, it's a weekly release. So they're only on like, I don't know, episode five now or something. Uh, okay. yeah, it's on Hulu. And yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I, it's, it's got a, it's got a kind of a thumbs up for me so far. And, and I, I can say it's a thumbs up because I actually want to watch the next episode. I think that's, <laughs> that's a good yeah, yeah indicator for a series, right? Um, yeah. when you put it on, you're like, Oh, I can't wait until, until the next one. Or when you watch one and you're like, Oh, what's the next one? I'll just play the next one. And then it's like next, you know, ne- coming next week. You're like, Oh, that means it's a thumbs up in my book, you know? So my review of that one so far uh what else do we got here for our show um i finished watching american gods Hmm. um we talked about that a little bit last week and you you finished is it the the series or the season that you finished well both because the last episode came out in 2021 and i don't see any fourth season uh, unfortunately, the story is not resolved oh. fully to the point where the where the books ended, um, and it 
didn't seem like it re- was really over. Like it was still like maybe they thought they were going to get another season. Um, so oh. that is. Have you, have you done? Have you done any any reading about it? Like that they're actually no put a new one out? no. I I just when I saw we were um, a little light on topics. I'm like, well, maybe I'll I'll mention this. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe it was supposed to end at that point, and I'm just expecting a little more story from what was in the book um, to be in the show. It didn't feel resolved to me, though, so maybe they thought they were going to get another season. I don't know. Oh, man. Um, That's that's such a rough thing to get. Yeah. Uh, Like, to to watch a show and then it not be resolved. And you said there's four seasons? Three. Three seasons. Oh, that's even worse. How can they not let them know? <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, you didn't watch it in real time when it was happening, so that that's it's not a real good question to ask. But, um, All right, some series is you can be like, oh, I don't think. Uh, what's one? I know um, the the Star Trek parody with Seth MacFarlane. What's what's that one? Um, the, the Orville. Orville, right? Like the Orville. I was very happy, but completely surprised that they got two seasons right and then they got they came out a couple years later and had a third season and i was like oh this is great i'm so happy and i really liked it but man we are on borrowed time right um because they just weren't you just aren't getting viewership or you're not getting the what you need to from the numbers because you you know they're kind of open about that kind of stuff Uh, Mm -hmm. i wonder if a series like that knew that the writing was on the wall by season two um and if if that's the case, then I kind of blame the writers for not wrapping it up for the showrunners. Sure. Right. Well, they they also had COVID right in the middle of mm. their production. They it aired from seventeen to twenty one, so there's a gap. Um, I think season two is the one where they had a lot of the actors not together. Um, not that there are a lot of actors together in the show. I guess there are, depending on the, the episode, the story. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's an adaptation from a book. I assume, I don't know if this is the case. I mean, it's Neil Gaiman, right? So very successful um, fantasy author. The book was very successful, published in like 2001 or two, um, and then and then re-released uh, audiobook in 2010. That's what I listened to that was um, like... Uh, with a full cast audiobook. Yeah. Um and so I don't know. I mean there's a lot of because of the setting, because of the story, there are a lot of things that they changed, that they updated um because it's set in present day, right? And so there are some like cultural political undertones to not super political, but um um, to the, like, like just as an example, um, this book is set in present day and it's the story. I think I talked about this when we talked about it before. It's the story of old gods from older cultures who came across the continent with immigrants, beginning with Leif Erikson and, uh, and so on down the line and how they cope with the fact that people, don't worship them anymore but there are you, you do see jesus several jesuses at some point um yeah. but in the in the middle of the story 
but th- they have gods of like television and uh railroads and cars and you don't see a lot of those it's you know more like these are the bad guys and these are the guys whose side we're following <laughs> um yeah and so when the book was published there was no concept of social media right oh, okay um like we were still in the very early years of the internet oh, um, okay all right so it's an older and sort of... and and so and so some of that in the series is brought up to date because it's supposed to be present day um and so there definitely are changes from the book um but i don't know like unless they completely changed the ending um i think they thought they were going to get another season there's not a lot of at the same time i don't feel like there's a full season worth of story to tell so yeah. maybe they thought it was there again this, this is all just me speculating because i didn't i watched the last episode like two days ago well i just did a i just did an ai search for as we're sitting here is, is there another season of american gods and it says no they were canceled because they saw a drop of 65 to 70 percent viewership from the first season mm-hmm. so it did look like yeah, there the... was talk of a movie and then they were like no we don't have enough people to watch a season we're not going to have another one so that's sad it's a it's a weird concept it's a weird idea and and season two was really um you know had a significant dip in in quality because i i assume because of covid um and so that probably hurt their numbers and even with season three uh couldn't bring it up enough and yeah yeah you know it's happens it's sad because and, and without having watched or known anything about the series except from listening to you, uh, t- talk, talk to me about it, is um, it's sad because, you know, it's a neat, it's a different idea. It's a different concept. And you kind of want to see fresh new ideas succeed. But it's not always just the idea or the premise. There's a lot that mm-hmm. goes into a film or a, a ser- TV series. There's a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's even things like a pandemic that happens in the middle of it, you know, that, that you can't control that it happens or production times or cast, uh, even actors that, you know, you have already other contracts. So they have to slow down production times. So therefore your, 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 your season doesn't come out for two years later and people don't remember. There's a whole lot of things that can kind of, mm-hmm. I would say ruin a, a, a potentially good, good uh, show. Um, but it is sad still when, when it doesn't, you know, see its fruition it's most hugely sad when they ended on a cliffhanger and it's um not resolved that's that's yeah yeah if it's if it's just like a you know sitcom or other kind of episodic content you're like oh that's that's a shame i liked that and i was you know like the orville yeah um but this is this was stars it was prestige single story like i mean they're side plots and everything but it was it was serialized storytelling it was not episodic at all yeah Um, which 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 that's the ones you know for me i would want to be one of those and i know it's money it's not cheap to make even one episode of these kind of film or shows uh but it, it would be it would be nice honestly if a production company you said it was stars or somebody who who'd made it. It's, it's it's stars, yeah. Yeah, could could come back and say, we're we're viewing. You know, I know you wrap production and you're done, um, 
but we're not seeing view. You're halfway through your season. We're not seeing viewership. I'm sure they knew before going into last season that, Hey, you're, you're, you're kind of on thin ice here. We're going to, you know, they, they don't just like come in and say, Oh, it's a big surprise. Right. Um, they yeah. probably knew that they were, they had to improve. And I'm sure produce production companies were like, Hey, we're really hoping for you. We're pulling for you. We want you to succeed, you know? Um, but we, we have to, you know, play it by ear. It would be nice if production companies could halfway through the season say, Hey, we're going to cancel you. You know, you're not getting the numbers up here and here's enough money for one final episode. Can you please wrap it up to give our viewers and, you know, your, our loyal stars subscribers, um, some resolution because what that makes me do is not want to watch films that or shows that stars puts out, you know, because they could just cancel it off at any point. Um, and even things like Netflix will let series finish. You know, granted, they probably have a boatload of money, um, but still, um, I, th- this is this is the cautionary tale that I don't like. I typically don't like watching serial serialistic shows until they're finished. You know, yeah, it, it just makes me so nervous that they're gonna. I'm gonna like something nobody else is gonna like. And then they'll just cut me off. I've had that couple, happen a couple of times, but yeah. Oh well, like R.I.P. So, so, somebody was guys. saying that about uh, about Wheel of Time, and I'm like, well, oh yeah, that's, that's true. Gee, that's another I mean, one there. Yeah. I mean, I've been I've been watching with the mindset of like, well, obviously they have to get to the, they have to tell the whole story. The whole story is written. This is not Game of Thrones here, um, yeah. and so, huh? I wonder what they're gonna do when they get to the point. Of this, and it's like, well, it could also get canceled at any point. And I'm like, uh, okay. yeah, but but season two is finally not bad, and you know that it still has its issues and things, but they are also not not marketing it nearly to the extent they did season one, which is, I don't know. On the one hand, I'm like, well. Maybe that means Amazon is tightening the budget and it's not going to be a money hole like that awful Rings of Power um, uh, show. And, um, you know, and then maybe like with a tighter budget, it'll be able to go longer. But if they're not promoting it, if like our buddy Cogswell, who is a huge fan of the books, didn't even know season two was out until we were talking about it in discord and it had just ended um now of course it's amazon so yeah people go back and watch and you know they'll see the numbers for that but yeah uh all that to say i hope that doesn't get canceled yeah i yeah it's with with that it's it's one of those i don't know i'm sure people in the biz would say that that's that's a sign of of a dying show when uh marketing we were all told is a massive part of a show of a, a film, a film or a series is budget, right? Definitely, like it, yeah. it, it takes, I think the number is 30 to 50% sometimes of, a, you could see if a, if a film takes a hundred million dollars to make, it could be 30 to $50 million in marketing. So the cost is, is actually a lot more hidden than you think. They'll say, Oh, the, the, the thing made $105 million and it only cost a hundred million dollars to make, so that's a profit, right? Like, no, mm-hmm. we lost a lot because we marketed so much. So, 
you know, you can see a tactic for Amazon can be like, okay, we won't lower the quality. We'll pull this lever, keep this lever where it is, and your budget for the film and the show is still there. So you can do the same quality, but we we, we lost so much money. Let's lower this lever, this little slider on marketing down a lot so that right. you know, maybe that's their idea. But as as I just said earlier, people in the biz would often see that as that's it. That's a sign that you if you didn't succeed with the marketing, why are you going to see that you're going to succeed without the marketing? Right. Um, and, and I guess the only way to say that that's a that would be a winning strategy is if 90 percent of your viewership are loyal fans. Right. Yeah. And, and that's where that's where an adaptation kind of skews those numbers a little bit, because, you know, that there are going to be podcasts and i mean i i listened to some podcasts while season one was happening um you know there are going to be podcasts and forums and facebook groups for people who loved these books um who are going to watch it regardless whether that's enough to make the budget amazon spent on it worthwhile to keep it going uh remains to be seen yeah and, and i i don't know i wonder what if there's studies on this one somewhere somebody's done some research where um, as a fan of Harry Potter before the, the movies came out, I mean, not like a big, I had read the first book, right. Um, mm-hmm. that, that I know that while it was popular as a book, it was nowhere near the numbers of people reading the book that watch and ultimately watched the movie. Right. Sure. And, and, and I have been a, a lifetime, nearly lifetime comic book fan, but I can tell you that nobody watched in the numbers read Iron Man the way that watched Iron Man, you know? Sure. Um, so, you know, even if, if all of the non Iron Man people dropped out of, of what didn't come to watch the film and only the Iron Man readers did, it would be nowhere. It, it would be insignificant compared to the money that they actually need. Right. Sure. Um, so, sure. And, you, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> this is a weird way to say this, but I don't need this, this series to pull MCU numbers. Um, I'm pretty yeah. sure Amazon is doing fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, right? well, I mean, t- I, you have to. You have to. The thing is, is that you have to pull certain numbers to make right. the like the, the I, graphics and the and the cast, you know, budgets and things like that to pull the budget to to pay all the. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just I'm just saying it. It doesn't need to be a huge success. I just wanted to succeed enough that it keeps getting made <laughs> it keeps, until that it keeps, it's done. It finishes the story. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and, and that that's also what I agree. With. So Wheel, Wheel of Time do, is is fits in this conversation with with that right there on my thing, uh, because I have two good friends that have read it, love it, highly recommend it. I want to keep watching it, right? To to see the big story and have conversations mm-hmm. later about things and learn more, maybe get inspired to read the books even. Um, but um, it does make me nervous that. You know, this, this, this second season, I'm only two episodes in and I've got some complaints, but I also am adult enough to know to not complain about things. You've only watched two, two episodes in a season for, um, yeah, so it's, it's not, I mean, I've seen all of season two and you've seen half of it, maybe well, three, two, no, four. only two, no, two episodes I've seen. I'm halfway through the third episode. Oh, okay. So you're still pretty early on. Yeah. yeah. I, That's what I said. I, 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 I can't talk about it yet with that yeah yeah i can't and i said this before i can't evaluate how well it's presenting the material to someone who hasn't read the books because i you know read those books before 
Game of Thrones. I know the characters and the story pretty well, but it's a massive, uh, it's a massive series. I don't think that it's doing the job of bringing new, um, new fans. We'll just say fans, um, bringing new fans to the story, to the material. I don't think it's doing that job as well as Game of Thrones did for its first season or two. Um, now, of course, that's not really fair comparison because that was a cultural phenomenon, uh, it seemed like. Um, but that does concern me as well for its prospects for getting uh, enough seasons to tell the yeah, whole story. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous game that you play when you adapt, right? It's um, Especially when you're adapting for a TV series. Um, mm-hmm. You can adapt for Lord of the Rings and have three, four-hour films, right? And if yeah. they weren't they weren't four hours when they launched, but let's say you 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 filmed four hours worth of stuff, so you've got twelve hours of stuff. That's one season of yeah. a television show. Um, yeah. So you you get you keep everyone's attention for one season, and then you tell your whole story, and you're good, like a Lord of the Rings. But with a television series series like this one, or Game of Thrones, you have to sustain that momentum and that viewership. And that story and have it be able to do that over many, many, many more hours, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's a very tricky thing. And Lord of the Rings with four hours a piece puts a ton of world building in, but not too much still. Like, it, you know, I didn't need to learn everything about the elves of Mirkwood to know about Legolas. Right. And they didn't mm-hmm. need to tell me about everything. But a lot of these ad- adaptations for television just go on and on about extra things because people who read all the extras in the book are like, Oh, well you got to know about the elves of Mirkwood to know about why Legolas, you know, his, his reason for being there and what's his purpose and lose sight of, and then they put that on. If you don't put that on the television series, then you get fans who are the ones you need to, you need to have them as your base. You drive them away, but then you also are doing what tends to happen. I think it, 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 this show in particular has a, a danger of doing using terms that you just don't know and talking about places you just don't understand. There's one scene where Moraine, the lady who had lo- lost her, her powers is talking to some kind of trader about a, a rock. I'm just going to use this as an example. And that whole scene, I actually watched twice because I could barely understand anything they were talking about. And it was, hmm. it seemed like it was an important scene, but they just kept talking about things I don't understand. There's language written by a certain thing that I don't know the word that they're talking about, but both of them seem to think it's important. She tells, you know, this rock that's a certain religion that I don't know that they've never mentioned before. And then it doesn't get broken in two, but I don't know why and why it's significant is. And then she tells him, asks about people who are following him and why is he... They use a certain name for them, which I've never heard before. And then she tells him to get on a boat and go to a certain port, which I don't know when she says his name, and do something there with somebody I don't know. And then run, <laughs> take his family to another island as far as away can to another thing she says that I don't know. So there's just a whole conversation of people who have read the book and know the places are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> Me watching it have no idea what this whole scene was about. Right? Yeah. And and I I said this a couple times when we were talking about this uh, in, before we started recording, um, is I don't know 
because I already knew that stuff, I don't know if there was foreshadowing in season one that we've just forgotten because there was a, a decent gap between yeah. seasons one and two. Um, or, or whether it's just dropped from the book and you'll understand it later. Um, and, and, and that's and, actually kind of a cardinal sin, I think from writing is that you'll understand it later. That's fine. If it's a, if, if, if you're sitting at dinner and he says, Oh, you're one of those Dunodine Rangers that lives 80 years. And he says, Oh yeah, that's cool. He says, yeah, that's what I am. Like, Oh, cool. And then you go on with the conversation. It's a one-off thing. But if you spend 10 minutes and it's this huge pivotal moment and no one can understand what happens for 10 minutes, unless you are going to pay it off next season, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's bogs you down. Right. And, may, and then, yeah. and they don't do that just once, by the way, I'm, I'm using this episode or this one scene in this one show as an example but a lot of series when they do adaptations make this mistake mm -hmm. um okay, because oftentimes they're written by people who love and care about the source material so they have a hard time seeing through that um you know not and then wanting to pay off something for the long term and like but here's the thing if you don't get a season three there is no payoff right sure so yeah. That's a big and skill. A, you know, it's a big skill yeah. with writers. It's, it's hard a, for them to do. It's a difficult balance because the, the alternative is then you've, you've got to put in a bunch of exposition that gets boring. Right. Of just right, like right. characters explaining stuff. Well, um, in, in my opinion, and again, I am no writer nor anything good or done anything with writing. But as a cinema, cinemaphile, I would call myself, I think that you can do in that situation, say, get your family and get for, as far away from here as you can. That's all you need to say. Right. And because it doesn't serve anybody unless obviously we go to the port that he's at, see him at the port he's at. He talks about his family. going Something happens there and you need to know why he goes there. You know, unless it's pivotal to the story or something, there's no reason to build extra world building stuff into a thing um, just for the sake of world building. Um, and that's hard when a, a world is so beloved because of those things when you read it. Because when you read a book, it's just different, right? I, yeah. And I read the Lord of the Rings books, and there is a ton of stuff that is completely left out about backstory and such. And let me tell you, sure. it's not exciting. It's not at all. It's very <laughs> boring. And it's very makes the, makes the books hard to get through. Um, so, you know, when they leave things out, um, you don't understand the whole mythos of the elves. It's okay. Right. It's what makes like the Lord of the Rings really good. Again, I, I I'm this is just a, a topic on this. Not I'm not aiming it towards Wheel of Time because I, I don't think they're a huge transgressor of it, but there is a couple things that I'm I'm I have to rewind and rewatch a scene again. Yeah. To just get the, the core idea without getting mixed in the techno babble of what's happening. Right. Um so hopefully that gets better and I actually do get to understand these things. Um, and if it does pull it off with exciting stuff, the ben the upshot is you can rewatch a series and get more out of it the next time. Yeah, right? that's that's what I was going to say. It's it's hard, you know, and I've said this multiple times. Like I I know the lore in the world, so yeah. At some point, I know I watched season two twice, um, and I liked I mean season one, and I liked season two more. So um, if anything, I, I should be more likely to uh, to watch it again. It might be one of those things that if you've not read the books, you, it it just 
benefits from a second viewing where you maybe understand more of that stuff. I I don't really know. I can't. That's a speculation on my part. You, you know. You know what? A lot of times that these can do with it's not necessarily writers or directors or showrunners. A lot of times they need better editors that can mm. say, "You've got enough material here for ten hours, but we need to cut all this stuff out, and it's going to be eight shows." Right, and they're like, "Oh my god, but but but," and a good editor can do that, right? Can look at a thing, and I mentioned the Dune Nine Ranger thing as an example. Uh, yeah, well, and in this, in, yeah, in 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 this case, you're still talking about writing, so you could mean script editors, right? Like, sure, oh sure, I guess that's fair. Yeah, yeah. That well, before, like, they wouldn't film ten hours worth of of show and then go we need to cut two of these episodes like that's way too late in the production process like they perhaps, would do that but in the script in the in the drafting uh, perhaps but like lord of the rings phase. i mentioned four hours a piece they were what two and a half hours right and when they put the the extended editions out we got like two or three hours extra that's a lot so in editing yeah, yeah. they absolutely clipped out a ton sure. um and when i mentioned the dunedine ranger scene there's a scene in the, in the two towers where they're going from um, uh, Edoras to Helm's Deep and they're traveling mm-hmm. and they take a break and Gimli has a, a conversation with um, it's the, the girl. Uh, Eowyn. 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 And then about uh, dwarves and female dwarves. And then she uh, transitions into talking about the Dunedain Rangers with Aragorn and there's some relationship building there, but it's really just kind of world building and history. And as someone who had read the books or actually just liked the films before I read the books, um, that's a great extra, right? But I can definitely see having that in the film does nothing, right? It just kind of drags it out already. Um, and you And it keeps you from the scene of getting to Helm's Deep, which is where you want to go. And an sure. editor came back afterwards and after the writer had written it in, after the director had mm-hmm. filmed it, and after all the writers and the production company and post had all done it, it got to the editor and he's like, no, that that, that slows down the story. Mm-hmm. And a good director will be like, oh, I hate you for that, but let's take it out. Right? Sure. Um, and directors will say that often in the commentary. Most, if you ever listen to the commentaries, they'll be like, this was great. Always, we loved it. We loved the things. But ultimately, you have to make choices to make the, the film as, or the story or the TV series as a whole a better series. Right? Sure. They say that a lot. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, fingers fingers crossed for Wheel of Time. I am actually looking forward to uh, to watching more of it. Um, and, and I refuse to have it on in the background because it's one that I actually want to know these things. <laughs> <laughs> about you know yeah i mean if pay attention to if, if you're watching conversations like three or four times to figure out what they're saying you you have to be giving it your full attention oh no no yeah and, and i and i that's why i said i am with that even and um i know i can't i couldn't watch it casually um yeah i mean i could probably watch it casually but if you if you don't already know the story and it's not it's not following the books verbatim by any means but yeah. you know then i can watch things and go Oh, interesting. They're doing that this way instead of the other or whatever. Um, well, I spent like 10, 15 minutes bagging on that couple, one scene of Wheel of Time. So I'm going to I'm gonna cut our show off by giving one positive at least. Uh, 
in my limited time watching only uh, two and a half episodes so far um, between season one and season two, I can definitely say that the, the kids who I really, really, really disliked from the first season and they're the main characters um, were -hmm. terrible. Uh, Several of them have gotten better, not just in their acting thing, but their parts written for them are better Mm -hmm. and the people around them are better. Uh, So there's, there's a couple of their storylines that I'm much more interested in when I was never interested in most of them throughout the first series. Um, and so now that helps me knowing that they're the main characters. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying that. I'm like, Oh, now I'm interested in you and you, you're giving somebody else to interact with and bounce things off with. And, and their, their stories are making these characters better. Um, and I'm, and I'm really enjoying that a lot. I will say one of them's Perrin, for example, I, mm-hmm. he was, one of the worst I thought in season two actor and storyline wise. And he, I, yeah, that's a, that's in, a in the first rough... couple episodes. I'm really enjoying where he's going. Parent. And I think we've talked about this before. They changed parent the most from the books. Cause in the books, they're, they're all just barely adults, right? They're like yeah. 17, 18. And in the series, parent has already gotten married and, and his wife dies like in the pilot. And so now you have this character who has an arc from the books that he's supposed to go through. He's supposed to have this sort of conflict. And you see it in season one where he meets the um, Tuathan, the, the traveling people who are pacifists, and has to, you know, decide what what philosophy he's going to follow. Like he's drawn to pacifism and the and the peaceful life, but he's also seen enough darkness in his life that he has to decide you know, to take up the axe and, and, and fight. And so instead they sort of transitioned, they, they converted that into this sort of grief story about his wife. But then in the middle of everybody else going on this sort of party quest adventure, he's still grieving over the death of his wife that, you know, just happened. And it, it really, um, casts a pall over over his character, but I yeah. think um, what I was going to say about season two, he's he's not doing that as much, which yeah, make, and, yeah. and the people he's, he's with get, are interesting. Yeah, the different things have happened, and he is um, he's moving forward in that way. I think, even though um, our our buddy Trotsky won't won't appreciate this, I think I think some of those characters are better separated oh, than I not hundred percent agree not having them all together so you sort of meter out the 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 writing and the acting the fact that you know I don't want to I don't want to say any of these actors are not because I've not seen them in anything else and some of them yeah. you know they're delivering the lines fine so maybe it's the writing and maybe it's the fact that they're reading for 17 year old characters as like 25 year old characters and that's that's weird maybe maybe not 25 i think they're probably like 23 or there there is a thing Um, to be said about when you're acting with other people who are uh, i would say better actors than you it helps to elevate your performance too i mean i know that just in general um you know people say oh i want to work with meryl streep right because it's i do better and i it's more fun and it makes me a better person a better actor a better thing because i'm with this person doing that kind of a thing Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that can be an example of, um, when you had people, you know, get together, uh, there's also, the, there's a girl that I didn't really like 
she's I keep calling it the Hogwarts school, but whatever. And and now she's separated with her friend, which I think were very boring people. But now that they're interacting with people that aren't those two bad actors, the two actors aren't together as much. Mm-hmm. They're better with other people who are better. Yeah. Um, and and say, and and the the last thing there is I also in that same thing same vein. Uh, they did a good job of transitioning from uh, the. The, the problem production problem they had with uh, the actor Matt that played Matt, you know, having issues there and losing him and having to replace him. Uh, the person that they replace him with not only just looks kind of like the one there, um, he has the same kind of acting uh, character. You can almost tell they're the same person by the way they mm. act. And, and sure, he, yeah. and I'm only two and a half episodes in, but it feels like he didn't, I didn't miss a beat there. Um, except maybe yeah, the first I, Matt was a little emo ish. This one's got a little <laughs> bit more interest to him. So yeah, the, the, the first time, the first time I saw him, I was like, Oh, who is, uh, Oh, this must be the new Matt. And then after that, I was like, yep, this is Matt. He's, he's yeah, it's he's Matt. Fine yeah, I didn't, same. I didn't have a problem with it whatsoever. So one uh, thumb, thumbs up there. So yes. One thing I was going to say when you were talking about Lord of the Rings and this is nothing, but have you seen those clips of, um, Stephen Colbert? doing lord of the rings trivia oh love it dude is they're, the best they're, of the they're best they're all over i i saw one where he's he's interviewing vigo mortensen and he's like do people still call you aragorn on the street and he's like he's like oh yeah i mean i call myself that so it's a, <laughs> it's a thing and and he does colbert does a like he's like well i don't see you just as aragorn and you think that he's going to start talking about his other roles right like green book and hidalgo and whatever else but he's like i see you as as this who was the son of of this aragorn's (laughs) father and he's he's just like blur like so much name dropping lore and you're like okay guy we get it we get it you know but it's 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 very entertaining to watch He, he is he is one of the world's i think authority on the lord of the rings series yeah it's impressive he they they did a pandemic i think it was pandemic show with the, a lot of the co-hosts being on zoom all together of right late night show not co-hosts but hosts of late night shows talk show and, hosts yeah and talk shows and one of the episodes they 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 ended it with um asking him a lord of the rings question and then as he was talking and telling the whole story one by one they all just left from <laughs> from, from the video <laughs> it reminds me of um i've probably talked about this before do you remember a a TV game show called Beat the Geeks. I, think that's I have what heard it was that, called. Yeah. I forget if it was on Tech TV or or Spike or one of those in that like overlap era between the internet starting and and cable news starting to die. Um, but they would do the, like they they had geeks right. They had experts on these different domains and then would have contestants in to try and um and I, and I forget the exact format but i just remember one of them i think it was the movie guy um who th- they would ask a question and the, the person would maybe get it and then they'd ask the geek and he would not only not only answer that question but also give like five other pieces of information they're like, oh, <laughs> right. that movie. That's a that's a lesser known 
um, you know, uh, uh, John Ford movie with <laughs> with this and this. It also was nominated for three Oscars. And and the the, <laughs> the character you're looking for, his name was Charles. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's it's exactly like Colbert's uh, Tolkien. Uh, Definitely fl- flexing their muscles there. Right. There. Yeah. I mean, that's good, man. That's awesome. I, I, I love those kind of like super, you can call them super nerds, but they can be for anything. You can be a super nerd about football. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I love that. Cool. We did, we did it. We saved all the lives today. Yep. Yep. All right. You've been listening to the front porch. This is episode 321. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM online. Check them out for reviews on things. If you want to reach out to us and tell us why the cabin in the woods is the best subversive horror slasher of all time you can do that via email that's maybe my dumbest prompt for the email thing uh <laughs> that address is front porch pod at gmail.com or go to our website front front porch podcast.com and use contact forms there and i'll also put links to those board games michael talked about earlier if you enjoy the show please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice and while you're there if you would leave us a favorable review we just appreciate that it helps out a lot in those rankings as always thanks so much for joining us until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch night everybody see you next time <laughs>